Thank you so much for coming out tonight on a little bit of a cooler night. You got some faith, you coming to church when it's code. It's code. Shout out to the student section. What's up, everybody? Glad you're here. We love you guys. And a couple of things, just a reminder that our, our uh, fall family communion is coming, is going on starting tomorrow night. So if you're interested in being a part of that, if you don't know what that is, it's if you are interested in just taking communion uh, with our pastors, our team, we would love to sit with you, hang out with you. I'll be hanging out with you the best I can. There's gonna be a bunch of people coming and going, but I wanna encourage you. Sometimes in a church this big, it's kinda hard to get to know everybody, and so this is a really great way to get to know people. And so I wanna encourage you to just sign up. You go online, register. If you have any questions, uh, you can go to guest services. We really look forward to being with you. Okay, this, this text is one of the most preached texts I think I've ever heard. I've, I've heard people preach this in so many different ways. And so tonight, if you just give me some time, I just wanna walk you through this text and I wanna introduce to you some key points what we're gonna walk through today. The first place I wanna take you to, number one, is the place. Everybody say the place. Verse 46 said that they came to Jericho. They came to Jericho. The city of Jericho is about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem, about five miles from the Jordan River. And back in January, when me and a few of the other pastors were in Israel, uh, we took a trip down through that area. And what I found, I didn't know this at the time, but while we were going to what was called, the, what is called the Dead Sea, uh, close to the Dead Sea is Jericho. And while we were going to that location, my ears began to pop. And I was just hurting. I'm like, I felt like I was in an airplane. You know how your, your, your ears will pop when you're in an airplane? Well, I just didn't know how low we were actually getting below sea level. And the person who was running the tour said that Jericho was 820 feet below sea level. It is the lowest inhabited city on planet Earth city of Jericho. And the Bible's letting us know that Jesus is passing through Jericho and he's on his way up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is above sea level quite a bit, so they're actually on an upward slant moving into uh, Jerusalem from Jericho. But while they are in Jericho, this low place, they have this encounter. But before I go any further, I just need to ask you, have any of you ever felt like you found yourself in a low place? Life can bring you to low places. Life can bring you to depression and pain and hurt and questions and second guessing. Life can bring you to a place of doubt. Life can bring you to a place of, of, of hurt. That's just the way life is and I'm not sure of everybody's story in the room but I'm sure there are some people who are living in a Jericho place right now that you've been up and sometimes, maybe you felt like you've been in some Jerusalem seasons where you feel like you're in a good place but how many of you know if you just live long enough, eventually you're gonna find yourself in a low place. Can I get an amen? Sometimes you'll see people and you don't know the story they're living with or the, the story they're dealing with and the situations they're facing. They, they may look good at church tonight, but don't let it fool you. There are some people in the room, though they look good, maybe in Jericho tonight. Am I talking to anybody? Now, don't let age 
throw you off. You may see somebody who's old and you may think they just got it all figured out. They finally retired, got the house paid off, but you don't know the Jerichos. Come on, am I talking to anybody that, that they may be facing? You may see somebody young in the student section and be like, oh, they got their whole life out in front of them, praise God, and got no problems. But you don't know what some of them face when they go home. You don't know the struggles they may be enduring. You don't know what life may be taking them and where they are right now. It just seems like we're in a low place. So point number one, the place, Jericho. The point number two is, is the person, the person. The Bible lets us know they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, he was there. Now, Bartimaeus, one of the few people actually named that Jesus healed, meaning, according to some writers, that he must have been a noted person in Jericho maybe like a town drunk. Or some believe, some writings say that Jericho, or excuse me, that Bartimaeus came from a notable family. Some say that he came from a family of poverty. The writers are pretty conflicted. At the end of the day, whatever he came from, he was well known for that thing he came from. So whether he came from money or he came from no money, he was well known for whatever that was, and he was named in the scriptures. And he was the son of Timaeus, which again, they don't know if he was a successful person or if he was a non-successful person. Some say that he was the son of a noble man, a prolific man, an influencer, a good man, a, 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 a powerful man, a, 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 a man of integrity. The next one says that he's a man of poverty and He's a man of brokenness, and he's a man of, of shame. And, and so the story is complicated. When you start reading commentaries, you kind of get both sides. How many of you feel like that sometimes? That sometimes you feel like you're a good guy, sometimes you think you're a bad guy. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you feel real great, other times you feel real weak. I'm not exactly sure what category to put Bartimaeus in. It's the same for you and me, that there are days that you're just not sure which category to put yourself in. In. Come on, where's the real church people on a Wednesday night? Y'all acting like a little like Sunday this morning. Never. <laughs> Sunday morning people would all, oh no, we are straight, clean, loving Jesus. And they're all lying, okay? <laughs> Am I right about it? That Bar Bartimaeus, is, his, his background is so hard to figure out. According to writers, they don't exactly know the story of where he comes from. And I feel like that's me. I feel like that's you, that, that though you love God, you're a Christian, but you're complicated. Uh, you, you, you love the Bible, but you're conflicted at times. You, you, you raise your hands on Sunday, but you got some struggles on Monday and Tuesday. You tithe on the Friday when you get paid, but you still have some struggles on Saturday. Is there anybody on a Wednesday night know what I'm talking about, that you feel like Bartimaeus, you don't even know which category to put you in, the person. So we know about the place. We know about the person. The Bible didn't stop there. It lets us know, number three, about the problem. The problem. The Bible lets us know blind Bartimaeus. First name blind. <laughs> Last name Bartimaeus. What's interesting about blind Bartimaeus 
is that he wasn't known for what was right with him. He was known for what was wrong with him. To our knowledge, we don't know what caused his blindness. We don't know if it was a birth defect. We don't know if it was an accident at work. We don't know if it happened when he was a child, but all we know is that he was blind Bartimaeus. His issue had become his identity. He was known for what was wrong with him. I know you're good Wednesday night church people, so I ain't talking to us, but all the other bad people that come on Sunday. <laughs> Just joking. We can't take this one offline already. I know nobody in this room struggles with this, but how many of you have ever heard somebody else, I know you don't say it, but when someone comes into church, you know, she's been divorced three times. Can you believe she posted that two weeks ago? Can you believe that, that she had a baby out of wedlock? Can you believe he can't keep a job? You know what I heard? I heard that he and her were kind of, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but you just, you knew apparently. <laughs> Blind Bartimaeus, known for what's wrong with him. Known for where he comes up short. Known for where he fails. Known for his shortcomings. And you know, when you think about this particular story, he didn't choose to be blind. Church people like to assume everybody picks their struggles. Church people, I'm, go, I'm coming for you, honey. I'm, you keep amen to me. I'm going to preach the socks off my own feet, baby. Listen, I, hear me. Some people like to think everybody picked their struggle. You ever notice how judgmental we can be sometimes in church? I, if I was them, they could just, you know, you ever notice how much smarter you are than everybody else? You ever notice about your own family? You're like, I'm the smartest person in my whole family. If they just listen to me, everything will be all right. You ever notice that? It's, it's just interesting to me that we just assume that everybody who does struggle, they went to the struggle factory and picked out the thing that they want to struggle with. And I've come to the conclusion, I didn't pick what I want to struggle with. And we as church people like to put people in categories and say, you know, they picked that sin, they struggled, they chose that lifestyle, and they did this, and they did. Well, let's just pause for a minute. I don't want to say everything too general, but let's be for certain. Paul said, I got a thorn in my flesh. Come on, talk back to me a little bit. I got something I struggle with that I can't deal with. He said one time, I'm a, I'm a man of God. He calls himself like the least of the apostles. And another time, he just says, like, I'm worthless. You just see this confliction in the life of Paul that we see in similar, I guess, in the story of Artemis and in your story as well. He didn't pick to be blind. He just happened to be in this particular situation to be blind. And I was thinking about this, and this is going to be a dangerous illustration tonight. Yeah, you're going to have to pray for your pastor. But I was thinking about 
being, uh, being blind. Yeah, this ain't gonna go long. I was thinking about what it's like being blind. Navigating life with what you cannot see. He had lost something. Whether he lost it at birth or he lost it in life, he, was def he had a deficit. And he had to learn to navigate with what he couldn't fix. Have you ever had to navigate life with things you couldn't change? Have you ever had to navigate situations? You can't change your in-laws. You have to deal with that. You, you can't change certain situations. There are just some things that are difficult to live with. You can't change that your daughter's living with him. You can't change that your husband's an alcoholic. You can't change certain situations in your family. You can't, you can't make those adjustments so you wish you could. And you almost feel like blind Bartimaeus trying to sort your way through life, trying to work a job, but you're blind. Trying to raise kids, but you're blind. Trying to go to church, but you're blind. You look, I gotta be careful. You're trying to do what you gotta do, but you're blind. Trying to live life without something maybe everybody else has. Maybe everybody else has a good marriage, but your marriage struggles. Maybe everybody else happens to have something going for them, but, but in your life, you're struggling to find it and make it work and can't get stable, and here you are just trying to sort it out. The Bible says he's begging on the side of the road. Begging. Can't work like this. Can't function like this, can't run a farm like this, can't navigate, can't be a banker, can't. What can he do in an agricultural society? What can Barnabas, whatever his name is, Bartimaeus, what can he do when he's blind? So they put him on the side, on the side of the road. So I can't even figure myself out now. Put him on the side of the road and he's begging, the Bible says. One day he hears a bunch of commotion. Living in a dark place, living in a low place. He's navigating life with situations and difficulties and problems, and he hears a crowd coming. I'm sure many times this blind man has heard crowds coming, but this crowd sounded different. This crowd that he heard had something going on and, and he could hear people excited and he could hear people talking and, and he hears, the Bible says he hears that it was Jesus. He hears that it was Jesus and the Bible says that he says, hey! Can I just talk how I would, this is how I read the Bible. He goes, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And you know the Bible said that while he was in that low place, while he was blind, while he was begging, while he's in the problem, because we found the place, we found the person, and here's the problem. He, he's, he's now begging, and he's yelling, and the crowd says, shh, 
Jesus is much too important to be interrupted. Jesus is too, uh, too important to be, be bothered by some poor beggar. Jesus, church is too, too good to be bothered by some prostitute that lives in Columbus. The church, church needs to be too squeaky clean to make sure we don't let no homeless people sit in our pews. Oh, no, no, you can't. No, no, this is vibrant church. We got to be quiet. You can't just let anybody in here. The Bible says that the crowd tries to silence them down. The Bible says he cries. I love this guy. He says he cries all the louder. The Greek says over and over and over and over again, blind Bartimaeus in a low place, in a broken condition, who can't see, who's begging, who's being funded by the government and the people, will not give up. And, and we've talked about the place. We've talked about the person. We've talked about the problem. Now let me talk about the pause. Because as he was yelling, the Bible says Jesus stopped. If there's a sentence in the Bible that should rattle your heart, the fact that a blind man in a broken place, in a broken condition, can yell out to Jesus and the creator of time stopped. The creator of the beginning and the end, he stopped the first and the last. He stopped the beginning and the end. He created the earth and a man with faith. Calls him to stop. You know what I thought was interesting? He calls him Jesus, thou son of. You know, that term is a, is a term only reserved for the Messiah. This means that the blind man was able to recognize who Jesus was and didn't have sight to see who Jesus even is. That means that all of the people in the crowd, all the Pharisees and all the other people, they saw Jesus, but he saw Jesus. And they, they knew who Jesus was, but something inside of him could hear that Jesus was coming. The Bible says he stopped because somebody had faith in him. See, everybody else wanted to see maybe where Jesus was going to go. Maybe everybody else in the crowd wanted to see what Jesus was going to do. Maybe everybody wanted to see what was going to happen when they hang out with Jesus. But there are some in the crowd who is just not business as normal when Jesus is passing by. Now listen, I know there are some of you when you come to church, you come to see the nice people, you come to network, you come to show off your new winter clothes tonight. But there are some of us that when we get in worship, it isn't just about who sees us. We know Jesus is passing by. almost like blind Bartimaeus knew. It's like blind, blind Bartimaeus knew in that moment, if this is the same Jesus, 
who in chapter five healed Jairus' daughter, I'll take my chances. If this is the same Jesus who on his way to heal Jairus' daughter accidentally healed the woman with the issue of blood, I'll take my chances. If this is the same Jesus who in chapter number seven feeds 4,000 people, I'll take my chance. If this is the same Jesus who in another chapter healed another blind man, I'll take my chances. If this is the same Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David, if it's really that Jesus, I'll take my chances. And the reality is Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Meaning, he, just the next page over, it's the triumphant entry, triumphal entry. He's going into Jerusalem. In a few days, he's going to be betrayed. In a few days, he's going to be, he's going to be uh, uh, crucified. This is his last miracle outside of Jerusalem on his way to be the ultimate lamb, the sacrifice. And he stops. He stops in his tracks, and it's now or never Bartimaeus. It is a moment that if you're not careful, you cannot miss the moment when Jesus passes by. You know, there's a scripture that I don't hear people reference much. It says, seek him while he may be found. Let me just pause here and just teach the church for a moment that when the Holy Spirit's moving in a service, let me just give you some, a teaching lesson. When you see the stirring in the people and faith is rising in the room, you may see people with tears falling. You may see somebody with their hands raised. That is not the time to be observant. That is the time to participate. That's the time because something's in the room. Something's happening. Jesus is passing by. And I'm a true believer that he's everywhere at the same time. But he does have moments of manifestation that when his presence comes by, that miracles can happen and healings can happen and deliverance can happen when Jesus passes by. Goes on to say in Mark chapter 10, Verse 49, to read that again. Jesus stopped. He stopped and said, call him. He called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And the Bible says, and throwing off his cloak. And years ago, I preached this, but allow me just to tell you one more time. I learned through study that the cloak that he had on wasn't just a coat to keep warm. The coat that he had on was issued by the Roman government to identify him as a beggar. So it could have been issued as some sort of welfare program to keep him warm, no doubt. But they believed the color was bright red. And so that when people were walking by, they could see a beggar easily. They, they, this man was identified as his identity was his condition. He was blind, he was in a low place, he was, not, he was, he was wearing the identity of his failures, of, where, of his blindness, of his shortcoming. He was known by everybody as the guy, he was, he was known by name. And when Jesus calls him, the Bible says he takes the coat that he had on and he casts it off. And he casts the coat off, almost signaling to himself, and to others. I'm not putting that back on. <laughs> you don't take it off unless you're gonna keep it off. And for some reason, that man had some faith. It just blows me away. Everybody in that crowd has a need. But this blind guy 
who just happened to be in the passing, like the, the path. This blind guy, just inside of him had faith and just believed that if this is the right Jesus, I'm gonna take my chance, I'm gonna risk everything, I'm gonna do everything I can to get his attention, don't care what anybody thinks, don't care what anybody does, don't care what they say, don't care what they post, I'm going to get to Jesus. And the Bible says he throws the coat off, signaling to everybody that I ain't staying here no more. I'm not wearing this no more. I don't want to be this anymore. And sometimes I think many people never see the miraculous because they're unwilling to remove certain things off their life. Many people will say, Jesus, come to me. Jesus, fix this. Jesus, do this. Maybe Jesus is wanting to see once and for all. Are you willing to stop texting her? Because I could do a miracle if you quit. Too hard on a Wednesday. Hit you too hard. Let me move over here. Some people want God to do something supernatural. God say, why don't you be disciplined instead of praying for deliverance? You can trust Perry. Say amen, somebody. Christ doesn't lay a hand on him, but spoke a word, and the man instantly received his sight. Other miracles, Jesus touched people. But this man was so radical and so outrageous and so incredible that, that Jesus saw all of this faith that this guy stirred with and Jesus doesn't even touch him. He tells him, your faith makes you whole. Your faith makes you well. Where your faith is, that's where I'll meet you. And what I find so fascinating is this. Jesus told Bartimaeus at the end of this story, he says, go your way. Then it says that Bartimaeus followed him. Did you see that the first time we read it? Jesus looks at Bartimaeus after the miracle, after the throat's been thrown or the coat's been thrown and all this stuff, after everything, he looks at him and says, go your way. And the Bible says he followed Jesus. In other words, he made Jesus' way his own way. And at the beginning, the Bible says he was by the way, and at the end, the Bible says he was in the way. The miracle had changed his life, that he was now no longer sitting on the side of the road, that now he's walking with Jesus. And one writer said that now that I have my sight, I always wanna look upon Jesus. And Jewish tradition teaches that blind Bartimaeus went on to become a big influencer in the early church. And it all started with a blind guy who heard the right thing. A blind guy, in closing, hear me, who heard the right thing. I don't know what you've been hearing, but the enemy has a way of just getting in here and saying things that aren't true. You're in a low place, you're broken, nobody loves you, nobody cares about you, you should take your own life. And if you keep hearing those things, you'll stay blind all your life. But he heard Jesus was passing by. And all my, everything changes based on what you hear. Now I, want, I want you to listen to me for just a moment. Think about this, think about this. You're saved today. 
because of something that you heard. Think of that. You know, I'm thankful in Scripture that God makes himself available, that we can call on the name of the Lord. But how many of you remember the day that he called on you? And he said, Tommy. He said, Haley. All because he heard the right thing. I'm worried about a generation that is blind in listening to CNN. I'm worried about a generation that's blind in listening to Fox News. I'm worried about a generation that's, that's blind and wondering, trying to figure it out, trying to worry and try to get married and try to raise kids. I'm worried about people who are seasoned, trying to retire and trying to figure life out and trying to navigate situations and pain and difficulty and but yet hearing the wrong thing. You know, they say blind folks, because the one sensory part of their body, their eyes, when it is gone, they say that, that all the other senses heighten in strength. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we're not listening to the right thing. I don't know what you've been hearing. I don't know what they've been saying. I don't know what you've been listening to. But I want you to know, know something today. The miracle doesn't happen if you keep listening to the wrong thing. The miracle doesn't transpire for him if all he hears is I'm a failure. If all he knows is I'm a beggar. If all he knows that I'm never going to get any better. His only hope is Jesus passing by. Let me say this about our, our, the current state of our nation. Our only hope are people hearing that Jesus is the light of the world. Our only hope is people getting in their heart that I don't want to live in this condition anymore. Our only hope are people that are willing to hear a sound from heaven. Our only hope. Because, honey, the coat that Washington gives ain't going to fix it. Ain't going to fix it. I've praised God for education. We thank God for medicine. We thank God for all these things. But what they give are just band-aids to try to help symptoms. But the root of the problem, God has said, I can fix the root of the problem. So what are you hearing tonight? What are you hearing? What are you hearing deep in your heart? What, is, what have you been listening to? And you're living frustrated and angry, and you're like, man, living upset, just you thought you'd be further along in life and could it be you're just listening to the wrong thing. And over and over in scripture, you find when somebody knows Jesus is passing by, they take their chance with eyes closed all over the room. I just want to ask a question. What if Jesus was passing by right now? I know you're thinking, Pastor Ethan, this is a, an odd message, idea that Jesus is passing by, but I want you to know tonight, I'm not exactly sure the condition you're in, but I know that if Jesus, you know in your heart that if you could just surrender once and for all, say, Jesus, here it is. 
I don't want to live blind no more. I don't want to live with this secret anymore. I don't, I don't want to live with anger anymore. I, I don't want to live with uh, brokenness anymore. I don't want to live blind. This is not my story I want. This is not the situation I want. If you're in the room and you just say, Pastor Ethan, I want, I don't want him to pass by. I want to be well. I want to be made whole. I want new life in me. On this Wednesday night, I just ask you, in just God's presence in this moment, that you'll say, God, I'll reach out in faith to you. I don't want to, I don't want you to get past me. I don't want to miss my moment. I don't want to, I don't want to miss my season. For some of you, hear me today. You don't know Christ. Can I tell you, time is passing by. For some of you, you sit in service week in, week out. Let me tell you something. And you keep thinking, well, maybe one day I'll be more committed. Maybe one day I'll say yes. Maybe one day I'll serve. Maybe one day. There are, why are we putting things off? Some of you say, I'll worship him one day, maybe one day when I get better and stronger or whatever. Can I tell you today, don't miss opportunities. If you will, please stand with me all over the room. <clears throat> you know, when you're really thinking about it, this, uh, this story is a really interesting picture of even your salvation that you and I were once blind Bartimaeus blind and begging the Bible says that the God of this world blinds those minds of the individuals who are not in Christ you and I were once beggars on the side of the road, begging for peace, begging for hope, begging for joy, just shaking a cup, hoping that a woman can help, and hoping that a pill can help, and hoping that drugs can help, and hoping and hoping and hoping that more money will help, and you shake the cup, and you're just hoping that somebody will see you, somebody will notice you, hoping that maybe another dollar will help me, maybe just another moment I can get stronger. But one day, Jesus passed by. <laughs> One day, your name was called. One day, he said, come to me. One day, he, he opened up his arms and welcomed you home. One day, you and I were that blind beggar. Changed everything. So I just need you to know something. If you're willing to seek the Lord, I want you to know something he'll answer. I sought the Lord, he heard, and he answered. If you tonight are willing to say, God, I just want, there are some things in my life that I need you to fix. Let me say this, you know what? Now, yeah, we're way off track. Okay, listen, here's what I'm really frustrated about in my own life, is how we are there are so many conveniences, right? So many conveniences, cell phone and Wi-Fi. And you know how frustrated it is when you cannot, this week, we couldn't get on Wi-Fi for like five minutes. And man, I almost quit this church and everything. <laughs> right? And my point is, we have become increasingly impatient. 
And what if the miracle you need isn't going to come when you just say, God, help. I'm not saying that God don't answer those moments. I'm just saying the Bible says he is a rewarder to them who diligently seek him. We have a generation that is living off of one scripture a day, hopefully, and then saying, I'm going to walk in freedom that God gave me. We thank God for his forgiveness. We thank God for his grace. We thank God for his mercy. But you can be saved and screwed up. Talk back to me. There's a lot of Christians who are on their way to heaven, love God with all their heart, but they're screwed up in their head. There's a lot of people who love God and go to church, and they love church, and church is like heaven, but their home is like hell. And they're struggling with the dichotomy of that I am Bartimaeus, I'm a son of a nobleman, but I'm also a son of poverty. I struggle back and forth. And I just think it's going to take tenacity, a pressing in, a more tough faith in 2023. It is time. Paul told Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. Be tough. Be strong. Be willing to say, you know what? Jesus, I'll push through it. You don't have to like it. You don't have to approve of it. If the altar's open, I'm going to go. If the moment's happening, I'm going to raise my hand. Because, the watch this, the only person who, why would he act like that when no one else was? Because he was the only one that was blind. Everybody else was obviously blind in the spirit, but he was blind in the natural. And even though he was blind in the natural, he could perceive Jesus for who he was and what he was able to do. And I've come to tell you today, are there any blind Bartimaeuses in the house on a Wednesday night that will say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I sought the Lord. He heard. And he answers. Are there anybody in the room? Are there any people in the room that'd be willing to step out of your seat and come to the front as a symbol of faith and say, you know what? I sought him. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to make first things first. I'm coming to him. I know the crowd is pushing me. I know the issues are hard. I know the Jericho's in a low place. I know marriage is difficult. I know kids say things. I know things are difficult, but come to, I've come to tell you today. You can walk out seeing tonight. Come on, Bartimaeus. Come on, Bartimaeus. Jesus, Jesus, I saw 
I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. Thank you, Jesus. next generation I really believe that God is up to something all over the nation and there are pockets of revival if you're kind of watching things right now kind of popping up all over the nation of people just hungry for God people just wanting more of God's presence and I'm a big believer that this next generation let me say this generation who's filling 60% of the altar tonight. The Bible says that in the last days, he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. And then he says, your sons and your daughters. He starts talking about the next group, the next way. So let me use Bubba. Come here, Bubba. Come here, Elvis. Let me use you. Take your time. There's only everybody watching. <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing? I don't either. Let's just hang for a minute. We're going to use him as a symbol of the next generation. And I want everybody in this room to stretch your hands forth. They're at the altar. But here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I know this may be weird. I've never done this. I like this. I like that I'm on this side, not that side. Here's what I want you to do. So I'll put this on you. This, this is so much of what's happened in our generation. We have declared things and said things and we believe things. And Oh, wait a minute. There we go, Elvis. Let me get you straight here. Is he good? No, your eyes are, you got great eyebrows. <laughs> Let me, we should have practiced this. This is what we should do. All right, there we go. All right. We should all leave. <laughs> this is what's happened to a generation. This is what's happening right now all across the world, social media, believing one thing, saying one thing, declaring one thing. And this week I was away with the pastors on a prayer getaway in Alabama. And while we were there, I prayed, God, please send revival. 
send revival. And my heart is that it's going to not just come through the, the means that you think, but that God will raise up the next generation to do something, to be somebody, to be used greatly by God, to be called by God, raising up preachers and ministers and revivalists and missionaries and senators. And it could come. It could happen. This belief that the world's going to end and, and it's just going to get worse and worse. Well, biblically it teaches, yeah, the world gets worse, but the church gets strong. And I've come to tell you today what the devil has meant for evil. I pray in the name of Jesus that what the enemy has tried to put over a generation and blinding them, that God's going to bring new light and new life. Can we pray together? Father, we speak and declare and decree that the enemy has come to try to blind a generation, try to make them wonder, try to make them lost, try to make them figure things out. But Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that today the blinders are falling off in every school district in our county, in every region in Mississippi and Alabama and Louisiana and the southeast part of the United States. Father, we pray revival fire begin to brand the next generation that they will be hungry for the things of God. Let them dig in the Word. Baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Let them be so hungry for you that the things of this world will never satisfy what you're doing in them. And Father, we pray that they will take off the statistics. They'll take off the words. They'll take off the curses. They'll take off the things that the enemy has put on them. And they will walk in the victory and the plan of God. Come on in you believe it, put your hands together and give God a praise. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's sing all over the room. I cried, he heard. excites me this excites me because no we're gonna go but because I want you to know something is that first off not every church has this where young people want to be in the presence of God 
What I love about young people is that they're willing to be inconvenienced. And revival only comes inconveniently. <laughs> Blind Bartimaeus was willing to inconvenience everybody. Didn't care what I want, what I'm seeing in you guys, what I just want to speak over and you to believe in yourselves and know about yourselves. Be willing to be inconvenient for the sake of the kingdom. The world's doing it. You think they're checking with us tonight what they're doing? You think I got a text from the devil like, hey, we're raising hell on Halloween night. You okay with that? Never. He never texts me. Now I've not got one text from the devil. <laughs> but can I tell you tonight, God can do supernatural things through a generation and a church of people that are willing to do stuff that's inconvenient. Maybe staying later than you have to. Maybe praying longer than you want to. Maybe reading more than you need to, than your own mind. But I've just come to tell you, revival comes when people are seeking the kingdom of God. Seeking. Last thing I want you to know, yesterday, yesterday, I'm talking to you now. Yesterday I had the pastors, I took them to the place where God so supernaturally changed my life. Supernaturally. I want to share it with the church at some point. I thought the building fell down already. Little tiny shack. It was a chicken coop built in 1971. They used for a service for youth in Double Springs, Alabama. And I went, took the pastors with me. I said, you guys got to see this place. We went in. I'm like, oh, yikes, this is bad. We're all going to get asbestos. I was 17. And I took him to the spot I was standing. When God touched my life so supernaturally, changed me forever in a spot. Pastor Tommy, I said, Pastor Tommy, you got a knife on you? He said, yeah. He got down on all fours and cut out a huge piece of that carpet for me from the very spot that God touched my life at 17 years old. People can think that moments like this don't matter, but I got a piece of carpet in my truck right now that says otherwise. I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for that spot. I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for a moment where I felt like blind Bartimaeus and I knew in my heart that I needed his mercy and he took the blinders off me and I took the robe off and I said, God, here I am. And I fast forward to today and I don't even know how all this happened and it started in a moment when I just cried out to God and said, God, here I am. Just use what I can. Just use me. Home, help me. Heal me me. Use me. Come on all over the room one more time. Let's sing it to heaven. Be willing to be inconvenienced. Be willing to push a little harder. Be willing to sing a little louder. Be willing to sing from your soul. Be willing to cry. Be willing to get on your knees. Be willing to lay out in front of God. Because who knows what God can do with a part of man who will cry out. 